What's up, Fifth and Long fans? Got another episode for you today. This is a good one. I'm not going to lie. This is this was pretty fun. Paul and I were looking forward to this for a few weeks. Um, we brought in our good friend Jack Nonemacher, or Nons, as we call him, to help out with this as well. Um, this episode is our 2023 Fantasy Football End of the Year Awards. We came up with the categories on this. Some of them are categories you would probably expect for End of the Year Awards. Some of them were a little bit different, but... I'm excited for it. We put a lot of work into it. We still have a wildcard preview episode coming to you later this week as well. So tune in on the socials, Fifth and Long on Twitter, Fifth and Long Pod on Instagram and YouTube. And of course, as always, enjoy the show. All right, fifth and long fans. Once again, Pat, Paul, the commish, really putting his commish work duties uh, to the task right now. We've got our very first ever end of the season fantasy football awards show. And to help celebrate a first for the podcast and the end of the fantasy football season, we've got another special guest on the program. Um, Ladies, gentlemen, friends of the program, if you're not familiar with him already, I, it's my pleasure to introduce you to Mr. Jack Nonamacher. We call him Nons. Nons for short. He's our fantasy football league champion from this past year, an aficionado, some would say, in the fantasy football circles. He certainly performs well for the most part in our leagues and is not shy about letting others uh, know about his fantasy skills either. So we're here with Jack tonight, just trying to bring him in to help us um, figure out who our our best players from the year have been and and who the most deserving players of these awards we've crafted are Jack, my man, first of all, welcome. This is a, this is a little different for you. I'm sure you ever podcasted before. First podcast. Thanks for having me, Pat. Happy to be here. And the hair is looking pristine as always. How do you do that? A little bit of product, a little bit of product. Yeah. Nothing crazy. (laughs) <laughs> just enough to keep the hold. Do you think you could get us a sponsor for whatever product you use? I doubt it, but doubt we'll it? see. All right. Well, <laughs> maybe if we, we bring you on enough, we might get one. Who knows? Um, Paul, how are you feeling? I, It's good to see you. This is, this is happening so often. Our girlfriends are going to think we're cheating on them. Yeah. Um, let me know when you meet those girlfriends. Um, and if you could introduce <laughs> me, that'd be great. Um, yeah. Happy to be back here, Patrick. Loving fantasy football. Uh, unfortunate and very sad that it's the end of the year. Uh, but nonetheless, I think we're going to have a good award show for everybody here. And I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Before we start, um, Paul and I recapped the national championship game between Michigan and Washington last night. We did our first ever instant reaction episode. Jack. We know we know what happens. Paul and I talked about a lot in that episode. So if you want the full breakdown, go listen to that. But Nons, I just want to get your thoughts, your takeaways from whatever you saw in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think it went as expected. Uh, I was obviously a little bit salty. Grew up a Penn State fan, so a bit tough seeing Michigan raise the old trophy. But uh, no, I mean, other than Georgia, I think they've been my second best team all year that I really felt like was right there. I mean, their defense is unbelievable. Fantastic run game. Um, 
no offense to J.J. McCarthy. I don't really think he's all that, and he didn't really have to be. Um, they just totally manhandled Washington, um, and I don't think they were really ready for that that style of defense, to be completely honest. Uh, I think, Pat, you mentioned it yesterday, but I don't think Pac-12 had a hell of a year. There's some really good teams, but I just don't think they really experienced anything like that. I think a lot of those guys are going to be good in the pros next year. Um, I know as a Steelers fan, would love to see uh, that corner, Sanisrill, in the black and gold, look pretty good out there. So, yeah, I mean, I wasn't really surprised. Good, good win. Fingers crossed. Harbaugh's going to the NFL, so I don't have to deal with them anytime soon. Sanisrill was the one guy I didn't mention from uh, the draft stock boost thing we were talking about that I kind of wanted to, but I didn't. I didn't feel like I had. I, I felt like I needed to go back and watch more of his snaps to really feel confident in saying it, but I'm, I'm leaning with agreeing with you there for sure. Yeah. He, he looked good in a couple games this year. So. Mm. Also um, to listeners, viewers, of the program, I'm a little sick today. So if I sound funky, that's, that's why. Um, send warm team my way. I love the, the, throat coat flavor from um yogi or whatever it is I, I forget the name of it yeah yeah i know throat coat it's it's a great name um tastes awesome too honestly but without further ado here are our categories for this year's fantasy football awards the first ever fifth and long fantasy football awards we got to come up with an official name for these do you do you guys have anything off the top of your head? Official name for what? The awards themselves? Yeah. You mean like... <sighs> like, you know that episode from The Office where they give out the Dundies? I feel like we need our own sort of version of that. I'm Not drawing a blank, to be honest that. with you. Yeah. <laughs> you're the you're the <laughs> one who came up with the Elvis Presley impersonator award. All right, we'll send it to the creative team. We'll table it for now. We'll table it for now. But right here, right now, here are our award categories. First and foremost, we have our MVP. Pretty self-explanatory what that means. Most valuable player for the season. We also have our draft day steal. Also pretty self-explanatory award. Um, As far as I'm concerned, we have a rookie of the year for the season, as well as a waiver edition of the year. We have a biggest bust, biggest bust. I'm kind of excited for that one. Uh, the IR All-Star. This is a guy that was hurt often, but when he was playing, he was electric, helped his team out, helped your team out, theoretically. The handcuff hero, the most reliable backup that made an impact this year. Best single game performance, best late season edition. We have our most improved fantasy player, and then the last award that we have, it's not really an award. It's more, um, I guess, a light sort of preview to next season is I can't wait to draft blank in 2024. So um, do you guys want to start at, at the top or do you want to start from the bottom and work our way down? I feel like let's, uh, let's say let's save MVP for last. You want to save MVP for saying. last? Yeah, I think that that's probably best. All right. The commission's spoken. We're going to save the MVP for last. Commission's word is gold around here, so we're not going to go against it. Let's start with the draft day steal then. 
and then we'll we'll go down and then we'll work our way back to the top. So basically the way I have this set up with uh, Paul and Nans both made sort of light short lists for this award. And I definitely used those to consider the nominees for this award. There's still a chance that if I don't mention one of those guys that maybe Jack or Paul had listed that they could move into this nominee group. But for now we're sticking with, or we're starting with three nominees per award uh, for the draft day steal award. Our first contestant or nominee is a Mr. Brees Hall from the New York jets. Brees had put up some pretty crazy stats this year. He finished as the second rated running back, at least in our fantasy league where he was drafted as the 14th running back on average, right around that 35 uh, number 35 pick in the draft over 1500 all purpose yards, only nine touchdowns. That was kind of the category where he pales in comparison a little bit to these other guys, but he put up incredible stats. And like I said, he was the RB two in our league. We also have Raheem Mostert drafted as the number 36 running back on average, finished as the third ranked running back, 1,187 all-purpose yards, 21 touchdowns for the Miami Dolphins. His average pick was all the way down at 109th, typically. And then we, I also listed Mike Evans. Uh, that was my wide receiver choice. He's drafted as second-rated wide receiver uh, on average in most leagues. 71st pick on average finished as a top six receiver um, tied for the league lead in receiving touchdowns ninth in receiving yards, 79 receptions on the season 24th. I think there's a solid argument at least for, for all three of these guys, but Jack, since you're our guest, where what's your gut feeling immediate lean on these guys? Uh, you know, Maybe it's just the way that I was out looking on them. I might have to lean Mike Evans. Um, looking back on it, maybe I was a little bit stupid there, but the dude's just been consistent year in, year out. I think he, I think it was his sixth consecutive, or not consecutive, but sixth year with a uh, thousand yards receiving um, and definitely slept on from the category. I mean, you got, you got guys like Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, well warranted for getting their top picks. Uh, but I know, especially in our league, um, the, the guy that drafted uh, Mike Evans had a really solid year. So he, he was Mr. Consistency for most of the year. I think he fell off a little bit at the end. And also, not really to knock, knock Baker, but he had Baker thrown to him. He didn't have, like, necessarily one of the top five QBs in the league tossing the rock. So I, I think I'm going to have to give it to Mike Evans. That would be a decade straight of 1,000-yard seasons, by the way, not okay. six. Yeah, so pretty impressive. Paul, what say you to Jack's proposition? Uh, Jack makes a great case for Mike Evans, certainly a super talented receiver that, yeah, for some reason, the fantasy world, and I include myself in that, just kind of put him to the wayside once uh, once it was deemed that Baker was going to start. I thought that that would significantly uh, drop off on Mike Evans's production. But for me, I got to go with Raheem Mostert on this list. I mean, you're talking about average draft position where they actually went. His pick was the the highest or, or the latest, if you will, out of these three guys um, picked outside the top 100 and 21 touchdowns, man, to uh, I believe that's tied with Christian McCaffrey for the league lead. So I, I got to give it to him. Uh, also a running back on the uh, wrong side of 30. I, I usually give those guys no chance. 
Uh, he proved me wrong in a big way this year. So I, I got to lean Raheem Mostert for those reasons. We've got good arguments for all three since you guys both spoke to, to Evans. I guess I did kind of talk about Hall a little bit earlier. Um, Brees was like really the only offense the Jets had all year. Garrett Wilson um, is going to be a contender for biggest bust, which we'll talk about a little bit later. And without Brees, the Jets might have only won like one game this year, honestly. Um, but we're not talking about NFL records. We're talking about fantasy football. So um, Mike Evans, I, I also, I mean, you look into his numbers. This is this is the most receptions he had in a season since 2018, uh, where he went over the 85 reception mark. Um, a decade straight of thousand yard seasons tied for the league lead in touchdowns. And and Jack, you made kind of a good point with Baker as well. It's not like he has an all pro throwing him the pigskin, but I'm going to agree with Paul here. I, I'm also leading with Raheem Mostert um, third rated running back across most fantasy leagues. Um, 21 touchdowns, like you said, tied for the league lead. I had him in in one of the other leagues that I was playing in. I was not expecting anything when I drafted him, and he turned into my my most consistent player for most of the year. So I think just for pure like shock value, with a decade of a thousand yard seasons, you kind of expect Mike Evans to put up numbers like that but because he had baker thrown to him i think his stock was a little bit low at the beginning of the year whereas nobody saw Mostert coming at all so i think that's two votes for Mostert and one for evans am i wrong you're not you're right. suck it jack this is my <laughs> podcast baby we go with my vote <laughs> <laughs> all right you heard it from the commish raheem Mostert, our first ever draft day steal winner congratulations Mr. Mostert, 2023 Draft Day Steel Award winner. Go golf claps. Golf claps. There we go. I like that. There we go. That's our first ever award. Broke the ice. Broke the ice. There's no, I'm not going to be making jokes of any celebrities or anything, by the way, like uh, Joe Coy or whoever was hosting the Golden Globes the other night. I don't know if you guys watched that. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, don't not. Mind. I saw it. I saw a video, didn't recognize who the guy was, didn't bother looking him up. So Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts were there. I saw that. I saw that. There was a picture going around of of Freddie Freeman in the background of uh, someone taking a picture of Taylor Swift. But, but anyways, anyways, rookie of the year. That's our next award. Very self-explanatory best rookie of the season. I think this is actually one of the tougher awards to pick to a certain extent. Um, really just depends on how you feel about some other awards that we have. Um, by the way, before we dive into this, guys can win multiple awards. That's a little bit of a, a little bit of a tease. If you can't figure it out yet, our first nominee for the rookie of the year is going to be Puka Nakua, star rookie receiver for the Los Angeles Rams, wide receiver five in our fantasy football league. Finished the year ninth in receptions with 105, 175 all-purpose yards. Only six touchdowns, but he got the ball so often. Uh, put up 260 fantasy points. Absolute rack monster. We know that 
The Rams love those intermediate to deep passes as well. And with some injuries to cup and question marks around the rest of the receiving room, Nakua got the ball a lot, a lot. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is our second nominee, the RB9 in our league. 1,261 all-purpose yards, 11 touchdowns, 222.1 fantasy points. And then Sam Laporta, the number one rated tight end, another Detroit Lion on this list. 86 receptions on the year, 889 yards, double-digit touchdowns, finished with 10 exactly, and finished just under 200 fantasy points with 198.3. Before we crown Puka, what's the best argument you guys can make before uh for sam laporta or for jameer gibbs uh well, i'll hop right in because uh sam laporta was was my nominee though i i i am gonna vote for pukaniku i think laporta deserves a mention here uh he dethroned travis kelsey as the tight end one this year uh you know i think that that that's crazy in and of itself uh, I believe he set the record for tie, uh, receptions for a rookie tight end in their their first season, obviously. So uh, huge, huge milestone there. And he had 10 touchdowns, man. Uh, whenever you can have double-digit touchdowns, that's incredibly impressive. Just shy of 200 points. I think that his numbers speak for themselves. Uh, that's a bad injury for uh, for Detroit going into the playoffs here that he suffered in that, that last week. Hopefully he didn't screw over any fantasy managers that were battling it out in their Week 18 championships. But... This is the next big tight end from Iowa, guys. You know, George Kittle, TJ Hawkinson, Laporte is just the next one in line. Yeah, I got to second that, Paul. Um, I was lucky enough to pick him up probably after like week two or three this year. Um, dude's a stud. He looks – I mean, I saw all the the comps that he was getting this year to uh, to, to Gronk, to Kelsey, like you said, to Hawkinson. He, he is the next great tight end out of um, – out of Iowa and he, he's kind of functional like a receiver. So it was pretty fun to watch him play this year. Um, and just also to give some credit to uh, Jameer Gibbs. Uh, he's had a bit of a slow start, but I can see why they traded away Swift. I mean, the, the, the dude's electric, just absolute game changer when the ball's in his hands, had a ton of touch. I'm, I'm pretty sure he had, he had 11 TDs. I'm pretty sure almost all of them were towards the back half of the year. Um, if you had him and stuck it out with him, definitely reap the rewards probably come playoff time. Um, and I would imagine that your team maybe made a bit of a run there. So shout out to both of those guys. Obviously you got to give it to Puka though. Um, dude's a stud. Sam Laporta, 10 touchdowns this year. He did set the single season receiving record, uh, for receptions in a rookie season by Ted end. He finished too short of Mike Ditka's rookie touchdown record for tight ends last tight end to have 10 reception 10 touchdown receptions in the rookie season was rob gronkowski in 2010 um gibbs i thought could be a sleeper pick here because he had an awesome year as well but it's crazy to think that he did everything that he did in a tandem sort of role in Detroit. Like if Montgomery isn't as much of a part of that backfield, Montgomery could, or uh, Gibbs, I should say, could could have easily surpassed Nakua as far as points go, I think. But Puka is definitely the obvious choice. I mean, I don't know how you can not pick him in this situation. He's, 
he's going to win the rookie of the year, most likely for the, for on the offensive side, Stroud will probably have a pretty good argument as well. Should I have included Stroud for these nominees? Do you guys think, should I have put him in over Gibbs or Laporta? I, I think he's worth think an honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah. Honorable mention. I think it's not to put it against the guy, but he did have some injuries down the stretch. So from a pure stats or I guess, fantasy points perspective, hurt him a little bit, but clearly turned into a QB one um, fantasy wise when he was healthy. So definitely an honorable mention. Paul, you and I have also talked a ton this year about the Packers young receiving core. So seeing two Detroit lions in this rookie of the year list is kind of, I feel like we've been overlooking a, a sleeping giant in that division all year. Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked a lot about the Packers. I, I don't think that there's any any one Packers receiver or pass catcher that stands out as, as worthy of deserving this award here today. I think it was just kind of a collective and how young they were. Um, definitely, definitely, though, I, I see your point where we're giving the Packers a lot of love and when we're talking about how how well they project going forward in the years to come because of how young they are. But, but you're right. Look at the team in the same division, how impactful these, these two rookies are. So uh, definitely something that, you know, we'll have to consider. I think the NFC North is going to be really, really competitive division between those two teams for, for the foreseeable future. Anybody have a vote against Puka Jack, you going to Puka now? Yeah. Yeah. Puka Paul, same for you. It's it's got to be man. I mean, the guy sets the the record for not only receptions for a rookie in his rookie year, but also receiving yards. You know, what else can you say? If you would have told me at the beginning of the year that some fifth round pick out of BYU was going to usurp Cooper Cup as the top dog in LA, I would have called you crazy. Absolutely unbelievable year for for Puka. Matthew Stafford does it again. Calvin Johnson, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua. The 2023 fifth and long fantasy football rookie of the year. Congrats, Puka. Congrats. I want to get his jersey, by the way. He's he's one of my favorite players in the league. I love Puka. Um, also had him on my other fantasy league team this year. Mm. He, was, Congratulations. he was interviewed in the uh interviewed on the Pat McAfee show, I think, last week. I don't remember the exact episode, but it's worth a watch or listen. Um, dude's dude's pretty funny too. He's got a hell of a personality. I saw one social media video that the um, the Rams did where his first touchdown ball, I think, I don't remember where where he scored it. I want to say it was in like Seattle or like Washington or something. When After he caught it, he threw the ball into the crowd. So for Christmas, their social team did a video gifting the ball back to him, like in a series of, of boxes. That's pretty creative. He had to go through like six gift wraps to get to it eventually. Like a Russian China doll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Our next award got our waiver edition of the year. This is, I mean, we could go back to back here. Our first contestant, and once again, Puka Nakua. We just spent a whole segment talking about him basically, but. He was added to most teams, probably, if not after week one, immediately after week two. But I think he was, for the most part, a week one ad um, in most leagues. Kyron Williams, another Los Angeles Ram. He's our second contestant. 
I finished as the fifth rated running back in most leagues. 1,350 all-purpose yards, 15 touchdowns, 21.4 average fantasy points per week, second among all flex players. He also missed a handful of games. Um, Jordan Love, our third contestant. We teased the Packers a little bit just a moment ago. Sixth-rated quarterback in the league, second in passing touchdowns in the NFL, 4,159 passing yards, 323.06 fantasy points. Quarterbacks are easier to come by as far as production goes in fantasy football, but Love was a guy who even later in the year was still not on a ton of fantasy rosters, and as more and more quarterbacks started getting hurt, I think more fantasy managers started to turn to him. Is is there any legitimate argument for Love in this category? Or is it really just between the two Rams guys? Yeah, I'll take this one with Jordan Love here. I, I think that there I, I can't put him as as my nominee. And and I just think it's because of what you said, Patrick, where quarterbacks are a little bit easier to come by on the waiver wire than you got than your position players because you only start the one quarterback. I know plenty of fantasy managers out there that will only roster one quarterback, especially if it's a you know a great quarterback like Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow in a healthy year. They won't even bother with the backup. And, and based on where Jordan Love was being drafted this year, there were there were a few teams, maybe in deep leagues, um, where some people were going for him with a QB one, but he was primarily being drafted more as a backup with some upside going into this year. So it was pretty easy for him to be picked up off the waiver wire. And I'm sure that there were, um, you had plenty of opportunity, like you said, to, to stream him throughout the year. So for that reason, I don't think that he should, uh, he should win this award based on numbers and pure stats alone. I think he's got a case, but just considering the nature of how fantasy goes, I think, uh, I think we got to move on to one of the other guys on this list. One of the Los Angeles Rams. Nons agree or disagree. I agree. Um, and I can even jump in here. I mean, I think, my pick is probably Kyron, to be completely honest. I know Puka probably had the better overall body of work. I'm a little bit biased here because he was on my team. Um, and I did regret not picking him up off the waivers. I had to trade for him. I had to give up a good receiver for him earlier in the year. Um, stuck it out through the IR stint. And the fact that he put up 1,300 yards with – I think he missed four – I know he at least missed four games. It was four to five games that he missed. Um, it, I mean, if he plays all those, I know this is hypothetical. He's borderline. He's probably like 17, 1800 yards. Um, if he, if he gets in to those other games as well. So just really impressive year. Dude was an absolute beast down the stretch. Tons of TDs too. Uh, do, they, they knew how to get him the ball in the end zone. Great pass catcher. Uh, just really impressive. And considering the fact that it was expected to be Cam Akers backfield this year, um, and Cam Akers isn't even on the Rams anymore. Uh, it's pr pretty impressive uh, story from a from a zero to a hero. That's a that's a pretty solid argument, and I don't know if I disagree with you. Um, I mean, he only played in twelve games this year. He he was a healthy scratch in week eighteen for the Rams, but he missed four from injury and and. You're right. If not for missing those games, he was on a borderline McCaffrey pace in terms of points per week, just a hair under it, at least. Um, 
also, I don't think he was as obvious a fantasy ad or a waiver ad, really, which which you kind of alluded to as well, because Cam Akers was still the feature back for this team, even a few weeks into the season. And then Williams really just came on strong, whereas Nakua, it was like week one, that's the biggest week for, for waiver ads for everybody. Right away, everybody just kind of jumped on him. Paul, where are are you leaning heavy Puka on this, or do you feel like it's closer to um, being at least a good argument between them? I don't want to say 50-50 exactly, but what what are your thoughts? Uh, I was leaning Puka big time at the at the beginning, but our, our guest Jack um, made such a good argument for Kyron Williams that I, I think I'll flip over to Kyron. Um, and also considering that Puka did win the, the Rookie of the Year award, we can't have him steal the whole show. Uh, for me, um, this hurts in a way because I was extremely high on Cam Akers coming into this year. I I saw that how Cam Akers finished the 2022 season, and I thought it would roll right over into 2023. And I like to pat myself on the back for knowing that you wanted to get invested in the Rams backfield i just picked the wrong running back so um i'm fine to flip my vote here to, to kyron i think non's made a phenomenal argument for him wow quite the sales pitch from from jack nonamacher no surprise there <laughs> i don't know if um yeah i think i'm leaning with kyron too actually i, I think it helps puka that we already gave him an award but in the spirit of the waiver edition of the year, I think the best waiver ad was Kyron Williams. So it seems like we're all in agreement again on this topic. Are, are we all going with Kyron Williams? Thumbs up. I'll go with him. Yeah. Thumbs up. All right. Kyron Williams, our 2023 fantasy football waiver edition of the year on the fifth and long program. Congrats, Kyron. Back-to-back wins for the Los Angeles Rams. Pretty big if you're a uh, you're fan of the former St. Louis franchise. Biggest bust. This is a fan-favorite award for sure. I had more submissions for this award than anybody else. Here's some names I didn't mention. Bijan Robinson was one. I also um, did not include... There was a there was a wide receiver I almost put on this, but I didn't. Joe Burrow was a guy I did not include on this list. Um, there was also who was the other guy I was looking at? It was um oh oh duh duh can't believe I didn't. Uh, Jalen Waddle, Jalen Waddle, Garrett Wilson, uh, we're neck and neck. I did not include Jalen Waddle on the list. I went with Wilson instead because he had uh, more projected fantasy points at the beginning of the season, which which really leads me to another guy I didn't put on this list. I didn't put Aaron Rodgers on here, but I don't necessarily know if he was really expected to be a huge fantasy football factor just himself alone, right? Uh, I, mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I like a slam dunk pick there. I think we could go off the rails too and say that we forgot about Patrick Mahomes too. I mean, I think compared to where he has been very average this year. So what about Kelsey? I mean, Kelsey was projected. He was a top, he was a first round pick and he didn't even finish as the top tight end. 
I know. Did he finish top three though? He finished. I feel like that, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I know compared to his. He and Kittle his, were within a point like, of each other. The, okay. Yeah. I, I don't think you can go bust on him. I, I think that's still a, a solid year for a guy that's aging. I think he's upwards of 34, 35 now, I want to say. So. Paul, do you want to give honorable mentions to anybody that I did not include in these three? Yeah. Yeah. First, first of all, I, I got one thing to say about uh, I'm going to give an honorable mention, but I also want to acknowledge something about Garrett Wilson. Uh, I am shocked that neither of you have mentioned Cooper Cup in this whole list. We've talked about Rams players a lot, and it's not all completely Cooper Cup's fault because he was dealing with an injury to open up the year. But this is a guy who finished as the wide receiver 39. This is a guy who, you know, won the triple crown two years ago, was still projected and was still drafted as a first rounder for a lot of people, despite them knowing that he would open up the year on, on IR or, or be injured. So I, I think Cooper Cup at least deserves an acknowledgement here. And it's not just solely because the injury hurt his his stock and he didn't play as many games this year i think it's because we saw him lose his 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 role as the number one receiver in that offense uh considering how how much pukanuku was targeted and, and how many passes he hauled in there so no disrespect to cooper cup believe me uh he's helped me win a fantasy championship in the past i've, I've loved watching him play but i just think that this year was symbolic as a, a passing of the torch so i think it's worth having him as an honorable mention and to touch on Garrett Wilson real quick, I think it's a little bit unfair to have him on this list just because his lack of success wasn't really his fault. His quarterback went down and then he had to deal with Trevor Simeon and uh, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle <laughs> throughout the course of the year. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. The only counterpoint I will have for that is that Garrett Wilson actually had a higher average draft pick than Cooper Cup. He was drafted... On average, at the twenty third pick, Cooper Cup was drafted at the twenty eighth pick. I don't know. I don't know how or why. <laughs> like, well, I, it was because most people did the draft, or the only people that got hurt by Cup were the people that drafted early. If you drafted about a week before the season, I'm pretty sure it was announced that he was going to be on the IR. So I think that's why he was taken lower. If my memory serves me correct. Yeah, I think you're right. Going back to it, do we keep? I guess Garrett Wilson in the nominees, or do we do we put Cooper Cup in his place? I I think you I, I'm not going to pick him, but I think you could still keep Garrett Wilson in there because the assumption this year was that he was going to have Rodgers as a quarterback. So from the perspective of you drafting Garrett Wilson, you were drafting him expecting a for or a future Hall of Famer to be thrown in the football, and instead he has, like we said, Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle. Um, it's unfortunate, but it still is a bust pick because he was taken as high as he was. So I think we, we can keep him on the list. Okay. Gregory Cooper could be in for a fourth slot there. And okay. Jack just continues to make great arguments. I got to go with him. He keeps flipping me. We'll keep him on there. Okay, so we've got Garrett Wilson and Cooper Cup as two candidates for our biggest bust of the year. We also have a couple running backs as nominees for this award, Josh Jacobs drafted as the sixth running back on average this year, uh, 15th average draft pick. He had an awesome season in 2022. He finished as the running back RB 23 on the year. It didn't really play at all the last month of the season. And, and that was 
part partly why, but he didn't have a great year when he was playing. He wasn't very consistent. Austin Eckler is our other choice. This is one of the hotter names as far as this award goes on social media. Um, drafted as the second running back on average, usually picked in the top five, somewhere thereabouts. Finished as RB29. He was hurt on and off during the course of the year. Had some really bad performances too. Much to the chagrin of our good friend Noah Sprinkle. <laughs> Is there I, – I, I'm leading Eckler for this. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to sway me away from him because he was actually horrendous for a guy so many people were expecting so much from before season start. Yeah, I'm not going to sway you because that's my pick too. And it goes to that, – that was my point with Garrett Wilson is that um, – well, yes, he was a bust. Like he ended up with some of the bad QBs. I don't think you can really hold that against him. From a like, it wasn't necessarily him. Like it wasn't his aging skill set or anything like that. He was still a very talented receiver. Eckler looked slow. Like it, it. This was the first year where he just didn't like look good on the football field. Um, and I think that's concerning for Chargers fans going forward too. So we'll see what happens there if they. Be interesting maybe if they try to bring in another running back um, this year whether it's through free agency or the draft but he's definitely on the um downward part of his career in my opinion unless some sort of major comeback happens paul any thoughts it's got to be austin eckler i'll make it a i'll make it a clean sweep here just where he was drafted is the rb2 um you know top three four pick pretty much in the fantasy world it was consensus top five going into this draft class and, and to see where he finishes is RB 29 like that in and of itself, I think is worthy of, of winning this award. It was a new offense for them this year. I think one that featured uh, throws to the running backs a little bit less. We've seen Eckler makes a lot of his money um, in the, in the pass catching. And, and that's where he's gotten a lot of fantasy points as well. Um, a little bit of a downtick there. And uh, you know, I think the numbers speak for themselves here. Unfortunate for anybody who drafted the Eck. Austin Eckler played in fifth, uh, 14 of 17 games this season. He registered double-digit fantasy totals in six of those 14 games. Um, highlighted, highlighted by a 27.4-point performance in week one. So he had the injury immediately after, missed three weeks, and then wasn't the same after that for the rest of the season. And I think this was a pretty clear choice. For this award, I hope that Eckler's best days aren't behind him. I, I hope we see more good production out of him in the future. Who knows? Maybe he's a great bounce back candidate next year. But I'm scared to pick him up, too. I, I don't know if I would feel confident in doing that unless I was in the right kind of picking situation. So you heard it from us. It's another clean sweep. Austin Eckler. 2023 biggest bust of the fantasy football season. It's a shame. It's a shame. Sprinkle really did have a tough fantasy football year. Austin Eckler on his fantasy team, and he had to root for the for the Panthers for 18 weeks. It's tough. I wouldn't I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. So I'm <laughs> sorry, Sprints. Better day. Better days will be ahead. We've talked about it with Bryce Young. Better days will be ahead. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> for sure man you sure hope so moving on to our next 
award. We're already um, almost halfway through this. It's pretty crazy. The IR All-Star. The guy that was hurt often, but electric when healthy. Lighten up the injured reserve everywhere. This is the guy that Thursday, Friday in the week, you're constantly checking the outlook on your fantasy app to see if he's going to play or not. More likely than not, he's not going to play. But I think we had some pretty good choices for this award. Um, Kirk Cousins, is there any argument against him being a nominee? None against. Nope. All quiet on the Western front. Yeah, I, Kirk, man, it's, it's a shame he got hurt early. He was... Still good for 157.74 fantasy points in like eight weeks of football. Um, 19.7 average fantasy points, not too shabby by any means. And the Vikings look totally different as a team without him. I feel like that's the obvious what if for this year. If if the Vikings had Kirk Cousins, they're definitely a playoff team. Um, I don't know. I don't think you can really argue against it considering some of those crappy NFC teams we saw towards the end of the year. But we got a couple other contestants for this award too. Devonna Shane running back to Miami Dolphins and Justin Jefferson. Jefferson and Shane, I think would be the front runners here. Shane, the RB 21 on the year. 17 fantasy points on average a week, fourth amongst uh, running backs. 837 all-purpose yards, 11 touchdowns. He only played in 10 games, but he was a healthy scratch in one of the games he missed. And then Jefferson, wide receiver 36 on the season, 17.8 average fantasy points, fifth among wide receivers, 68 receptions. He only played in 10 games. He still had over 1,000 yards. only had five touchdowns, but a lot of those games he was playing in towards the end of the year, he was – having balls thrown to him by the likes of Nick Mullins and uh, Josh Dobbs and others. Paul, where are you leaning first for this, uh, this award? Uh, I'm going to lean towards a chain here. Uh, I think that both him and Jefferson have, have a good case for this award. These guys were all stars when they were on the field, but the reason I'll give a, a slight edge to a chain for this IR all-star award is because he actually got hurt two separate times in, in the year. He spent, I think it was four games on the IR after a knee injury that he sustained in Buffalo, then came right back in a game against Las Vegas. And then I think it was re-injured his, his knee. I can't remember exactly, but basically got one carry in his, his return game, went right back to the injured list, didn't spend the time on the IR, but he missed the remainder of that game against the Raiders and then missed the following week as well which kind of added up to like a, a whole six week stretch. But just since we had two separate injury stints there, we saw how electric he was when he got the ball and he didn't need many touches throughout the year. Um, this won't be the only award that he's nominated for this year. So we'll, we'll talk about him more as we go. I'm going to give it to him for that reason, a rookie here. Uh, it's, I, you know, I'm not going to argue uh, with Justin Jefferson, as I said, both guys were awesome, but I'm going to go with the uh, the rookie here out of Texas A&M, Devon A. Chain, for the IR All-Star. Nons, what are your thoughts here? Uh, I think I'm going to have to go Jefferson. I, I saw that stat. Uh, the 
a thousand yards in only 10 games. Saw that at like after this past weekend, just on uh, Twitter, blew me away. I mean, just the, it, it's unfortunate if you used your first, your number one overall pick on him and he got injured, but when he was healthy, I mean, he, he's a monster. He, he's so consistent every single year. He deserves to be a top five pick again next year. Uh, just an all around fantasy stud. And I, I think when he was healthy, if you were able to tough it out in those couple of weeks that he was out and you got him back for the playoffs, uh, definitely, definitely worthwhile. So I'm going to give it to Jefferson. Wow. Okay. That gives me the tie breaking vote. This is my first one. Um, I think I'm siding with Nons on this. I got to go with Jefferson. I mean, if you dive into the numbers, Jefferson had uh, seven weeks where he had – no, excuse me, he had six weeks where he put up 20 fantasy points or more. Um, Shane did not have that much. I think he had like five. Yeah, he had five. He also had that one huge 50-point um, day against Denver where Miami scored 70 points. But Shane also had a few different – he had three different um, – fantasy performances with four points or less 3.6 points against Dallas week 16 a single point against Vegas week 11 I think he was hurt that game and that's part of the reason why and then uh week two he only put up 1.4 against my New England Patriots whereas Jefferson kind of like what Nan said was was more of a model of consistency when he was in the game I mean weeks one through four 21.5, 21.4, 26.4, 23.5 fantasy points. Uh, week five, he gets hurt, middle of the game, misses half the season, comes back week 14, has another kind of slow day, and then it's 11.9 fantasy points, 25.1, 8.4, 32. You just didn't see as much of the highs and lows and peaks and valleys. It was, if anything, it was pretty much all peaks and then a few – not so great games, but a Shane, I think has better like compiled numbers, but Jefferson would be, if you had to choose between one or the other, I think Jefferson would be the more automatic play week to week. So that's who I'm going to give the tie breaking vote to. I feel, uh, I feel good about that. Paul, you're uh you're still in in the Ashane camp, yes? Uh, I am, but I mean, so it is decreed by by Patrick Demar here, uh, the the tie breaking vote. So two beats one, and I can live with it. What would be your argument for Jefferson over Ashane? Like, what's what's your last ditch attempt to try to sway me out of this? You mean a chain over Jefferson? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it would it would be that fifty point performance. Um, the fact that he. He didn't need as many touches, um, so electric there. And, and a lot of some of his early performances that you alluded to was because he just was a rookie and hadn't been fully ingratiated into the offense. So um, that, that would be my argument there for him. Okay, I'm still sticking with Jefferson. So our 2023 IR All-Star of the fantasy football year is none other then Jay Jetta's Justin Jefferson, king of the gritty himself, and our first ever IR All-Star. Congrats, JJ. Good job. 
Good job. Stay healthy next year, please. Next, <laughs> next up, we got the handcuff hero, the most reliable backup that made an impact this year. This, I think, might be our toughest pick so far, even though we just split across the board. Um, not split across the board, but we just had that tiebreaker vote between Jefferson and uh, Shane. Our nominees for this award are Joe Flacco, Zach Moss, and Jerome Ford. Nons, immediate gut reaction. Who are you siding with here? I'm going to do a little bit of bias here, maybe go for a bit of a fun vote, but give, give me give me the elite Joe Flacco. Uh, just coming off the couch. I, I, I think he was basically putting up about 20 points a game come fantasy time. So 21.8. 21.8. Um, without him, I would argue that the Browns run a path to not make the playoffs. I, I don't care how good their defense is. They really needed that offense to kick into a gear to get them to where they needed to be. Um, and not only do I think he got them in a good position, and as a Steelers fan, I hate to say this, but I, I think the Browns are definitely um, – they're, they're going to be a tough out. Uh, I think in the playoffs, they they got a great squad, and, and Joe Flacco is at the center of that. So I'm going to have to give it to him. He really – and he was arguably better than all their starters this year. I know he was their backup, but pretty sure he was better stats-wise than Deshaun, obviously better than DTR and uh, P.J. Walker. So uh, – yeah, give me give me Joe at age. I don't know. He's got to be up in his thirties, but impressive performance this year. Paul, if you were going to make a case for Moss or Ford, who would you choose and why? And then I want you to let me know if you're taking Flacco over those guys or not. After. Yeah, I think that both of those guys are deserving to be on this list, Moss and Ford. I'm going to make the case for Jerome Ford here, um, and I'll I'll say why. He was, I think, he was a option for fantasy managers throughout uh, a greater portion of the year than Zach Moss was. He had a higher RB finish on the end of the year than Zach Moss, RB 15 for Ford, RB 29 for for Zach Moss. I mean, you see Nick Chubb go down in week two against the Steelers, and and it's you know. Full go ahead there for Jerome Ford. He's the guy for the rest of the year. I know Kareem Hunt was signed after that and, and, and kind of stole away some touches here and there, but by and large, this was Ford's backfield the rest of the way. And, you know, he shined for, for fantasy managers in the, in the championship round week 17 against the jets. He had 25 points there. So if you stuck it out with him and you had him in the championship, there's a good chance he, he delivered for you in a big way there. I am going to also make Jerome Ford, my, um, my nominee for for this award in general over Joe Flacco. Jack makes a phenomenal case for Flacco and and the stats were were great. But my biggest argument for Ford here is that you had him throughout the year, like I said, because of how early Chubb got hurt. With Flacco, when he kind of took over for for the Browns, you know, there's a chance that many fantasy teams might have been out of it or, you know, just it was a little bit too little too late. With Flacco, if you're a couple games out of a playoff spot by the time he really takes over, it might not have been enough. Whereas Jerome Ford's taken over in a legitimate RB2 role for you from week two on. So for that reason, I'm going with Ford here. He, he did a good job of finding the end zone, was proficient uh, as a pass catcher and on the ground here. So credit to him. I think he embodies handcuff in the truest sense of the term, right? Nick Chubb's going to get all of the carries. 
But now, as soon as he goes down, you've got a guy that can plug in and be a legitimate fantasy starter. I think Jerome Ford embodies the handcuff hero award for 2023. Before I make my pick, there was one guy that narrowly missed the cut that I'll briefly shout out. I almost picked Jordan Addison as a nominee for this award, who filled in somewhat admirably for Justin Jefferson when he was out from week six through 12. But ultimately, it wasn't quite enough for me to include him in this category i felt like these three guys were just a hair more deserving and um this is a tough one for me i I think both you guys make awesome points i'm not picking zach moss i think he actually because of how underwhelming he was um at times during the year I, i don't think he was necessarily a great reliable option as a handcuff um there was a few weeks where he had awesome performances and and early in the year when taylor was out for the most part he was great but after that in the the one-off games that taylor missed towards the end of the year he did not excite quite as much flacco is a really tempting choice for me here because i mean it's the Cinderella story, man. He led the Browns to their second playoff appearance in 30 years. Um, 16 points or more in every single game towards the end of the year. Only played in five, but he still had, uh, count them up, 13 touchdowns. Like, <laughs> it's it's hard for me to go against him, but I'm, I'm going to. And it's for the exact reasons that Paul laid out. Jerome Ford filled in for Nick Chubb for the whole year. And Chubb was a guy that a lot of fantasy managers were counting on early in the season and and were really hoping would be a key cog in in a championship run. When he goes down with that injury, Ford came in and it was like, you had to make the choice, but you didn't know if it was going to actually work. And he was pretty reliable. I I mean, he finished as the, the 15th, rated running back in our league. So an RB two, um, 11 and a half fantasy points a week. He's rostered in just under 80% of leagues had a solid season, uh, almost had a thousand yards on the ground. He only had four rushing touchdowns, uh, but he also had five receiving touchdowns and, and actually finished with more than 1100 all purpose yards because he had 44 receptions for 319 yards. So, I'm going with the former Cincinnati Bearcat, man. Jerome Ford, how about it, brother? You are our 2023 handcuff hero of the fantasy football season. Nons, before we move on, do you you think I'm making the absolute wrong decision here? Uh, I'm going to be boring and say that you're probably not. My pick for Joe was out of respect for for the elder going out there and doing it. I think when you look at it from Paul's perspective, where uh, Ford did play, what, like 14, 15 weeks, whatever the case was, that definitely a, a larger and more consistent body of work. So I have no problem with him taking home the hardware here. All right, that settles it. Our 2023 Handcuff Hero Award winner of the year, Zach Moss, not Zach Moss, uh, Jerome Ford, I should say, of the Indianapolis Colts. I just had a 
of the Cleveland Browns. You're still, you're still mixing them <laughs> That's my parasite moment <laughs> from the Oscars. That's pretty brutal. Um, yeah, Jerome Ford takes the cake. He's our handcuff hero award winner in 2023. Best single game performance. This is where things get interesting. I love this award, actually. Um, three contestants here, three monster games. We teased one of them earlier. Devonta Shane in week three put up 50.3 fantasy points in our league. 18 carries for 203 yards. Two touchdowns on the ground. Another two through the air on four receptions for 30 yards. We also had Amari Cooper in week 16. 47 fantasy points. Set a franchise record for receptions in a single game with 11, 265 uh, receiving yards. That was what he set the, the franchise record for, by the way. Not, not receptions. It was receiving yards in a single game. Also had two touchdowns. Had 15 targets on the day for what it's worth. And then Christian McCaffrey week four against Arizona, 48.2 fantasy points, 20 carries for 106 yards on the ground, seven receptions for 71 yards, four total touchdowns, three on the ground, one in the air. These are some tough picks to make. And I don't know if you guys want to factor in results in this game as well. All three of these teams uh, won these games, so it's it's not like either of them lost them, so that really shouldn't matter, to be honest. But I am going to make my immediate case for Amari Cooper because he did, after all, break a franchise record for receiving yards in a single game. I think breaking a team record kind of means something in this single game performance. Uh, you might not necessarily have like franchise records per se in fantasy football, but I think that jumps off the page a little bit. Certainly you have the 70 point day from the dolphins and a Shane putting up 50. That's, that's hard to argue with as well, but all these guys are within a couple points of each other. So I think there's room for an argument for all of them. Paul, who are you leaning towards? Are, are you siding with a Shane on this one? Kind of like you were for the last, last, uh, for the IR all-star that we had a couple of awards ago. I, I really, really wanted to, but I I have to join you and, and go with Amari Cooper here. And it's about when he had his big performance. You know, Jane and McCaffrey's performances were in week three and four. And not to take away from them, but those are early portions in the fantasy seasons. It's not a high leverage situation. Amari's big day came in week 16. That's fantasy semifinals right there, okay? His performance carried teams into the championship round. And for that, I think that we have to, we have to award the the biggest performance to Amari Cooper. Listen to this. Um, I saw this on, on Instagram after his performance. Now this is considering PPR scoring. His PPR numbers that day were uh, 51 and a half points. You, you mentioned his stat line, 11 catches, 265 yards. His performance that day would have single-handedly beaten this fantasy lineup in week 16. Brock Purdy at quarterback, Joe Mixon, Alvin Kamara at the running backs, Stephon Diggs, A.J. Brown, Sam Laporta at tight end, and DeAndre Hopkins flexing. Amari Cooper would have single-handedly beat that lineup in week 16. I think it's got to be Amari. Not agree or disagree? 
Yeah, I think from Paul's perspective, I have to agree because he did it in the fantasy championship. Um, the one thing that I will say about uh, A-Chan's performance that I think is so impressive is that, I, if I recall correctly, I think he did almost all of his work in the second half. And I know it was a blowout, but he averaged like 11 yards per carry. I don't think he had over 50% of the snaps at running back. And he put up four touchdowns and almost 250 total yards um, of scrimmage. So it's really impressive. I think you have to give it to the guy that shows up in the playoffs, though. Um, but A-Chan with a strong uh, second place, I feel like, for that award. And he, I know CMC's in there. Love the guy. He also does it almost every week. And then he had a couple weeks where he just went slightly <laughs> better than he typically does. So we'll – We'll keep him out of it and give it to one of the guys that doesn't get as much shine all the time. So let, let's, I'm cool to go Amari there and go full sleep. Full that's, sleep. That's like the first LeBron James level argument I've heard against CMC for winning an award where like <laughs> people at one point were like, oh, we, we can't pick LeBron. Like he's won the MVP too many times. You got to go with somebody else. And, uh, <laughs> that's funny um i think this is going to be a sweep for cooper all three of us are 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 going with amari here yeah works for me wow okay amari cooper week 16 2023 the best single game performance of this calendar fantasy football season at least according to the fifth and long podcast and uh, I feel great about that choice. We mentioned the day he had uh, 47 fantasy points. He won our uh, MVP uh, for our weekly awards that week as well. So I think it's kind of cool that he doubled up for that weekly award, but also our end of the year award as well uh, to some extent. Shout out to Mari Cooper, man. And uh, congratulations. But we got a couple more awards here. Best late season edition. Devin Singletary from the Houston Texans. Zamir White, running back from the Las Vegas Raiders. And Jaden Reed, wide receiver from the Green Bay Packers. Nons. Is there anybody that I should have included in those nominees that I did not? That you feel strongly about? You know, I was thinking about it. Uh, I, I think my my suggestion to this list was Samir White. Um, I, I think we got a pretty good list here. I, I can't think of anyone else off the top of my head that really, really sticks out. Paul, what about you? Uh, no, I, I think I like these guys here. Singletary was my call. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to make a case for him whenever, but uh, these, are, these are good guys here. Whatever, especially, you know... Zamir White and uh, Devin Singletary. It's so crucial whenever you can add a running back that's that's valuable late in the season. I talk about it all the time, how banged up the position can be, how frequent injuries are there, and and obviously that can be a killer in fantasy. And You can really be scraping the bottom of the barrel come fantasy playoff time for running backs. If you uh, if you were savvy on the waiver wire um, and you scooped one of these guys, you, you, you probably did pretty well for yourself. Give me the Devin Singletary case. Let me hear it, Paul. Um, week 10 on, let me give you his numbers first. Week 10 on uh, in our league, 25.6, 21.8, 10.2, down day 4.5 against Denver. 
comes back with 12 and a half against the Jets in week 14, 22 against the Titans in week 15, 7.8 against Cleveland week 16, and then 10 points in week 17. So solid numbers really there across the board. But for me, the the bigger thing is like he ended up taking over the job from, from Damian Pierce. Um, I think kind of stepped in there due to injury at first and then just seemed to be the more effective guy. He saw the Texans leaned on him in the – I didn't mention his 13-point 13, 13 performance – in week 18 against the Colts because a lot of people's fantasy seasons are done after week 17, but he had 24 carries in that one. Like he was given a full volume RB one workload as the season went on. So for that reason, not only just taking his opportunity because of injury, but then holding on to it. That's my case for Singletary. Nance, you started with Samir White earlier as your pick. Is is that still who you're leaning with? And And if so, tell me why. Yeah, I'm going to stick with him just off the pure perspective. Uh, I actually picked him up in our league, but not to play him. I was lucky enough to kind of have an embarrassment of riches at running back, but I did it to prevent uh, one of our other league members not picking him up, who had Josh Jacobs. So, but he, he put up just about 15 points the last four weeks. Uh, every single week. I mean, that's enough for at least a flex play. Um, if not, I mean, that, that's an RB2 play, depending on how your team's looking or what kind of league you're in. So he, he filled in the backup role great. And I think we kind of mentioned it earlier, like Josh Jacobs being a little bit of a bust. You could argue he was maybe even a little bit more consistent than Jacobs on a week-in, week-out basis for that small sample size. So uh, if you had him, he probably at least gave you some some good support in your lineup and gave you a good shot to win some of your playoff games. Before I make my pick here, I'm going to give a slight argument for Jaden Reed. It's not my choice, but I'm just making an argument for him. Um, Devin Singletary, Paul, you mentioned, had an awesome second half of the season. It took over that RB1 role in Houston. He had 127.5 fantasy points from week 10 on to the end of the year. Jaden Reed had nearly all of his points volume in the last, uh, last half of the season as well. And he finished with just over 120 fantasy points uh, weeks 10 through 18. He also had two touchdowns on that span, so not quite as many as I thought. Well, those were two rushing touchdowns, actually. My apologies. He had uh, seven touchdowns total in that span, whereas Singletary from weeks 10 through 18 had three so there is, a, I think, because of the, the late surge of love, like I attribute so much of that with Reed, who sort of established himself as the wide receiver one in that group. So I I think there's – it's kind of close between those guys. White, I'm hesitant to choose here because he really only played for the last few weeks of the year, but in terms of late season addition, that's kind of the point of the award. Paul, you even sort of alluded to earlier talking about Amari Cooper and how that week 16 performance had a little bit more importance because it came when it did and in, in either the fantasy finals or semifinals or, or whatever. The weeks that Zamir White took over for Josh Jacobs Weeks 15, 16, 17, and 18. That's right in the crux of the fantasy season. Um, Singletary, I think, would be a solid pick here. He wasn't super consistent. He had a few down weeks. 
I think I might be leading with nods here, though. I kind of like the Zamir White choice. And um, I don't know what Oakland's plans are for next year. I, I know technically they have a head coach vacancy with Antonio Pierce um, serving as the interim in that role. There's some rumors that they might be exploring the trade market a little bit. Maybe Zamir White takes over as the RB1 next year just in general for the Raiders. Um, I think it's really close either way. I, I was leading Reed going into this, and then Paul kind of swayed me on the Singletary side. But I really like White's numbers the last four weeks. Super consistent, like you said, Nons. Didn't have a down day. Smaller sample size. Um, I think Singletary had a higher ceiling the three weeks where he put up 20 plus. But other than that, the weeks that they were, would have been competing against each other, 15 through 18 Singletary had the better numbers or um, white had the better numbers, I should say. So that's why I'm going with Samir white for my choice. Um, Paul, what's your last argument to try to sway me over to your side? Cause uh, you, you could make it happen. If you say the right I, words. You know, I I think I, I've put it out there. What what I uh, think of Singletary, I think that he ended up taking the job over from Damian Pierce, as I said. And, you know, I, I don't have too much else to say other than that. I mean, he, he had some bigger boom performances and well, as well, and he did it for a longer portion in the season. So um, I don't know what you want to highlight more is in terms of this award, whether it's the, the performance itself at the end of the year, like the, like the fact that of how late in the year it was or, or how good the performances were throughout the year. I think that if you want to give it, if you're looking at just the, a complete body of work and total points scored, Singletary takes it hands down. But if you want to emphasize the fact of how late it was and the fact that, of course, it was playoff time, then Zamir White wins it hands down. I'm looking at the award more in terms of a complete body of work and the total points scored completely understand if you have a different perspective commish this is um this is where you can exercise a little bit of your commissioner's duties here do you think that i am looking at the award incorrectly in the spirit of how the award should be intended you know beauty is in the eye of the beholder patrick however you interpret it is is your interpretation and if i look at it uh a different way that's that's completely fine i think that i guess in this sense late can be a subjective term and if um it, it's completely completely up to you i okay. will not exercise my commissioner i will not exercise my commissioner power here this is everybody <laughs> everybody's here to state their case for the particular word and they, and they have a right to do so and so if you feel so strongly to go with nons with samir white i completely completely respect your decision to do so well, I don't feel super strongly about either of the three nominees, honestly. I feel like it's it's really up in the air. And and Reed, I think, is just sort of narrowly edged out between the two. The only reason why I think I might lean more towards White is because of a point I made kind of at the tail end of my argument for him. In, in the weeks that White played, 15 through 18, he had better numbers combined over that four-week stretch than Singletary did in those same weeks. So I was just putting them like head to head in that specific span. Fair enough, my friend. I think that you've made the deciding vote then. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, 
I'm only I'm only one man out here, Patrick. My and though yeah. I am the commissioner and I I run a uh, an extremely extremely competitive and, and large fantasy football league, and I am known as the commission. I am just one man with one vote. So by all means, if if you see fit to go with Zamir White and join Nons, it is two to one. There is so much sarcasm <laughs> in that little soliloquy. <laughs> but I'm, I don't know I'm what gonna, you're talking about. Uh, sure you don't. I'm going to stick with White, though. That's my choice. Samir White, our best late season edition award winner of 2023. Congrats, Zeus, as the Georgia Bulldogs faithful knew him in Athens back in the day. Um, Zeus White. I think the NFL needs to get with the program on that nickname. Actually, I like Zeus better than Samir. Most improved fantasy player. This is our penultimate award. So we've got one more after this. Um, three nominees here. Rashad White, running back from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Nico Collins, wide receiver from the Houston Texans. And then Kyron Williams, running back from the Los Angeles Rams. Our waiver edition of the year award winner. Kyron Williams. Solid arguments for all three. What's the case for Kyron doubling up here? Nons, um, take the floor first on this one. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd have to double-check his stats from the year prior, but definitely a breakout year for him. And basically locked himself into – I I guess it, we'll see how the offseason shakes out. I don't see how he slips – out of the top 15 overall um, drafting next year. I, I, I think he's clearly solidified himself as one of the top backs. He's young too, which has that going for him. Uh, had the minor injury this year, but, but nothing really on the, on the record so far. So I see a lot of people taking him early. Um, he put himself in a great position and uh, really, really gave himself a positive outlook after this year. Coming to from like, like we said, the backup running back, like physically the backup running back, like not like an RB2 in fantasy. Like he was the backup running back on his team and he ended as an RB1 um, in fantasy. It's pretty impressive stuff. So he went from 35 attempts for 139 yards and no touchdowns in 2022, nine receptions, 76 yards, no TDs, by the way, to 220 carries for 1,144 yards. 15 total touchdowns between the ground and the air. Paul, is there an argument? Is there a better argument for White or Collins over Williams? Um, you know, when, when you put it that way and you look at that discrepancy there, in, in all actuality, probably not. Richard White is my is my nominee. And I would like to point out the big jump that he made from the 2022 to 2023 season. He had 129 carries in 2022 for 481 yards, and he found the end zone just once on the ground. Added 50 catches for 290 yards and two touchdowns. There. Now look at his 2023 stats. 272 attempts, 990 yards. It's damn shame that he fell just short of 1,000. Six touchdowns on the ground, and then he added 64 catches for 549 yards and three touchdowns through the air. Uh, my argument for Rashad White is that, you know, he was finally given the bell cow role in Tampa Bay and he he took off with it in flying colors. But in the same sense, I mean, that's exactly what happened with Kyron Williams in Los Angeles. And, you know, he was the second leading rusher in the league only to Christian McCaffrey. So, I you know, any argument that I'm making for Rashad White here, 
you know, you can make it in spades for, for Kyron Williams. So unfortunately I don't have an argument to usurp Kyron Williams from this award, other than the fact that he already won an award and we haven't doubled up on awards yet in this award show. Rashad White went from, uh, in 2022, he had all, he had a uh, right around 700 all purpose yards. I think the, the total number was somewhere around, um, 770 range looks like 771 i think if my quick maths are right you had three total touchdowns in 2022 bumped that number up to nine total tutties in 2023 surpassed 1500 all-purpose yards so in terms of all-purpose yards he has williams beat williams wins head-to-head as far as all-purpose touchdowns go excuse me but when you look at the difference in statistics Williams increased his yardage by almost tenfold, which you can't say that for, for white. You can't say that for Nico Collins either. I, I actually think Collins might be the, the more impressive second choice for this award. I mean, the two seasons before this 33 receptions, 37 receptions, three total touchdowns across two years um, combined between 21 and 22. He had, um, just over 900 yards, like 927. In 2023, he had 80 catches on 109 targets, 1,297 receiving yards for eight touchdowns. Um, I think I'd probably lean Williams here. That's going to be my pick for the award, so it's, it's a clean sweep for Kyron. But I'm a little surprised... Collins wasn't getting a, a little more love from you two for this. Although I guess Nons, you, you sort of listed him as one of your non- nominees for this award going into the show. It was my nominee and I did forget about Kyron. So <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But Nico, Nico definitely had a good year. And I think the fact he was drafted outside the top, at least in our, I checked in our league, he was drafted outside the top hundred. So great year for him. And he's with, with CJ Stroud. I mean, him and Take Dell, they should both be. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and rank all the wide receivers, but they're they're up there for next year. They're, they're going to be solid flex plays at a minimum. Wide receiver twos uh, going into next year for sure. Before we get in, into next year, sorry, Paul, I, I just cut you off. What were you going to say? No, I, I was going to make one, one one reason why I wasn't having uh, Nico Collins quite as high as you guys uh, was, and it's a little bit of a specious argument, but. Uh, it was because I think a lot of his success could be attributed to the quarterback and it wasn't solely him creating success. Whereas I think if you look at the running back position, you look at Rashad white and Kyron Williams, as they got more opportunity, like they created their, their own success. They created their own yards, both on the ground and, and through the air, where I think that the increase in productivity for Nico Collins can as much be attributed to as much as you would attribute it to his skill himself you can attribute it to the the quarterback who arrived there as well so that's why i didn't have him as highly rated on this uh most improved fantasy player award list okay so that being said kyron williams our only double award winner for the 2023 awards show kyron williams man he's he's gonna be the the celebrity at all the uh hors d'oeuvres table tables at the after party jimmy kimmel is going to shake his hand or something probably ask for his autograph (laughs) 
Um, I think Puka Nakua is going to be pissed that he wasn't able to double up now as a waiver wire addition, knowing that his own teammate was able to double up later in the award show. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if, if anybody had odds on these award winners going into the show, but I'm sure somebody made a killing off, um, off of Kyron winning more awards than Puka. I could have seen yeah. that being a, a prop category for sure. Puka seemed free going into this, so <laughs> Puka's too carefree though. He he's gonna take his award and run and and, and just kind of stay laid back and chill. Yeah, take it right into the next season. Before we start talking about next season, let's talk MVP. This is what we're really here for, right? This is the crown jewel of the fantasy awards. Um, some guys that missed the cut, honorable mentions. Josh Allen was one. Um, I think another close contestant. You could have made an argument, perhaps, for one of of Hertz or, or Prescott, maybe even a Lamar if, if you're really a QB guy. But ultimately, this came down to three pretty clear cut co- choices. I think from the three of us, I'll start with. I'm just gonna go in in alphabetical order for these. So CD Lamb is going to be our first nominee. CD had an insane season. Actually, by year's end, he was the number one weighted rated wide receiver. Um, 350.7 fantasy points, beat Tyreek out by almost 19 whole points. Tyreek dealt with some injuries towards the tail end of the year, which sort of led to his production tailing off. Whereas Lamb was healthy from week one to the very end. 20.6 average points per week. 23.7 average points per week, I should say, which is first among all scorers. 2,023. No, I'm sorry. I I just started reading from Christian McCaffrey's total. CeeDee Lamb, 350.7 fantasy points on the year, most among wide receivers. 20.6 average points a week. Most receptions. Amongst all players this year with 135, he had 1,862 all-purpose yards, 12 touchdowns, one below Tyreek. Tyreek Hill, 331.9 fantasy points, 20.7 average fantasy points a week, the most among wide receivers. He had 119 catches for 1,814 all-purpose yards and 13 touchdowns, tied for the league lead. And, of course, CMC, the namesake of uh, Paul's unit this year. If I'm not mistaken, there was a pretty impressive trade that went down where Nons, weren't you actually able to to nab Christian McCaffrey in our league somehow through the trade market? You're going to have to tell us all that. I did. That I did, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. (laughs) You're you're welcome. Uh, CMC had 378.8 fantasy points on the year. He averaged 23.7 points a week. Over 2,000 all-purpose yards, 21 touchdowns. Is there any legitimate actual argument for someone besides Christian McCaffrey here? Did Tyreek or CD do enough to legitimately put him in conversation with CMC? Nons. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're both in the conversation. I think it's worthwhile to point out, too, that Tyreek Hill, was it just one? I mean, he missed at least one game, if not two. Uh, 
and the fact that he's what 19 points shy of cd like he's arguably the wide receiver one if he plays an extra game uh so th- that's a point there i mean I- i'm not going with anyone other than cmc though uh but like you alluded to uh what was able to trade for him this year my team is kind of lacking that consistency uh he is about as consistent as it gets i don't think he scored under like 12 to 13 points in a game this year just unbelievable effort consistently finding the goal line um even on an offense where they have so many different weapons he was still featured so like impressively much like you you look at some other teams in years past and there there's too many mouths to feed but they kept finding him so it was really impressive performance he's had injury histories year years past got to give him the mvp this year where he was able to stay healthy for the whole season um definitely got to award that performance i'm definitely gonna agree with you here the one thing that jumped out the most to me besides the obvious numbers was that christian mccaffrey didn't have a single week this year where he suited up where he had less than double-digit fantasy points. His lowest total of the season was 11.1 in Week 17 against Washington, where towards the end of that game, they they basically just took him out, to be honest. No, he, 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 got got, he got injured. He was injured in, like, the second quarter. He had 11 points by, like, midway through the second. It was before halftime, I'm pretty sure he got hurt. He yeah, was about to put, like, 30 points that game, for sure. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, though. That's... That's his lowest total of, of the year, a, a game mm-hmm. where he still put up 11 points in, in like a quarter and a half of action. Um, yeah. Otherwise had an incredible season and was the most consistent guy in all fantasy leagues. I think he was the most rostered player across fantasy leagues that or he was the most rostered player on championship teams in all fantasy leagues as well. Paul, is is there any merit to a, to a conversation centered around Tyreek or CD in this argument? I mean, you can you can have the conversation with those guys, but at the end of the day, no, there's not too much merit to it. All you have to do is look at the total numbers, like you've already stated, total points, total all-purpose yards. The one thing we haven't talked about with Christian McCaffrey is his nose for the end zone as well. I mean, there was only one game this year where he failed to score a touchdown. Um, so, and he had that insane streak going, was it 17 or 18 games in a row with a touchdown scored? He basically knew every week that Christian McCaffrey was going to get an automatic six and then any yardage and receptions that he got, uh, would just be piled on top of that. So, you know, this is, this has been the best player in fantasy when he can stay healthy for a full season. He is the fantasy cheat code. It was a terrible, it's arguably the worst decision I've ever made in fantasy to trade him to Nons this year. Nons, I'm glad you were able to turn that into, into a title. I have my reasonings for making the trade. Um, it looks pretty stupid now, but Christian McCaffrey's helped me win a championship in the past. Nons can certainly attest to that this year. I, I think this is a clear-cut MVP choice. Wow. Another clean sweep. Christian McCaffrey... Did you guys – the trade was between you guys for McCaffrey, right? was. It was, yep. <laughs> I basically – Please take they, me I, through that text exchange. It wasn't much. Paul put in our group chat that he was on the block. Um, 
I kind of start. I had Jamar Chase. I had some. So I had Kyron that was sitting on the IR. I had ETN, and I literally had like I'm pretty sure I was starting like Tyje Spears for a couple of. Years. It was bad. Like I was just re- relying on some wide receiver production. Um, but I was also eight and two, nine and three, something like that at the time, where Paul was fighting for a playoff spot, and I was basically locked into one. So. Um, he was like, hey, would you – or he needed a receiver, too. He had a handful of running backs. Um, he was like, would you do this? And then we ended up actually adding a couple other guys. I ended up getting – and at the time, he was struggling, and I treated him more as a throw-in more than anything. I think Paul did, too. But uh, I got Calvin Ridley out of that deal, too. And I did give Paul David Njoku and had Paul make the playoffs. That would have been a really solid pickup for him. Um, but I just – used a little bit of leverage with the records being the way that they were and was able to snag them. I would say in most cases, if Paul didn't have a couple other injury problems and some bad luck early in the season where his record, if he was a couple more games, a couple more wins under his belt, I don't think he would have traded them. Paul, you can attest to that or give your own own feedback there, but uh, just kind of a standings thing, I think, at that point. Yeah, man. I mean, it, for for me at that point, it kind of came down to to depth, and um, yeah, I was lacking the receiver spot at that point in the year. I know Calvin Ridley had a couple good games on the on the back half, but he was just way too inconsistent. Um, I couldn't keep trotting him out there each week, so I did kind of treat that as a throwaway. But I wanted to get Jamar Chase. This was uh, this trade was made the week before Joe Burrow uh, got hurt for the yeah. year, so. Uh, Awful timing on that as well, but I wanted a true, no doubt, wide receiver one because I also had Jalen Waddle, who we mentioned as like an honorable mention for the biggest bust. So it's just poor drafting from receivers. And Nons is right. I had a slew of running backs that were just like solid players, and I was was always having to bench one of them. This was right when Jalen Warren uh, had his really good stretch in the middle of the year. I had Jerome Ford as well. So there were some guys I thought that I had enough depth at running back where let me go get an elite receiver. And I had Darren Waller as well, who was hurt at the time and on IR. So I really needed to address the tight end position. And I love getting Njoku. Basically, the second part of that trade, I think I won, if you look at it in a vacuum. Like Njoku was far more productive than Ridley in the back half of the stretch. But unfortunately, I didn't make the playoffs. And so Njoku's biggest weeks, I wasn't really able to capitalize on. So Nons definitely the clear winner of that. Big part of why he won the championship. I'm sorry to the rest of the league for making the move. I mean, I'll, I'll sit here and admit I probably wouldn't have won this year without CMC. So grateful that he joined the team at the trade deadline. Paul, I think if – or uh, Nods, I should say, if there was any more opportune moment for a victory speech for you, I think I'd be hard-pressed to find it. If if you want to take a, a moment just to have your cake and eat it too for winning our league this year, now's your time. What's your, what's your victory speech to the uh, – to the fifth and long faithful and and the members of the fifth and long fantasy football league. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky enough to be one of the, the, the first 10 inaugural members. Paul, you have to correct me on that six, seven years ago at this point um, was able to win my, the, the championship. My first year feels a little bit different doing it when we got like 24 guys in the league and I am the only one that can say that I've won it twice. So I think the rest of the league has a little bit of work to do uh, and see if they can stop me from going back to back next year and get number three. I'm coming for you next year, Nance. I'm coming for you. I, I welcome the challenge. <laughs> Nance, 
as the now reigning champion, what was your biggest takeaway from fantasy football this year? Was there anything different from years past that you noticed, like any trends or anything that you think you can take away into, into next year? Um, well, I think our league's been doing it as a whole. I feel like last year I did it a little bit and it was more out of desperation. I had a bit of a rougher year. Um, and I dabbled a little bit more with the trade market. Um, I did it this year, a lot more to my advantage. Um, I was able to, uh, I went pretty heavy on wide receiver in the draft. Um, took a, took a couple of risks at running back. ETN ended up panning out, but I turned my two top receivers. I thought I was going to have all year. I had a Wave and I had, um, Chase and I turned them into Kyron and, uh, CMC which ultimately helped me win the championship. So uh, just getting a little bit more creative with those things. I think being aware of the, those late round picks too. Um, Zay Flowers last like three, I was trying to trade him all year. I was telling people that he had value um, last four weeks of the season. I guess it would only be valuable if you made the playoffs, but I'm pretty sure he put up like 15, 16 points each week, put up like 20 in the championship. Definitely helped me out there. It was a huge performance. Um and then just staying on top of the waiver wire and being alert of those things. Like if you see just preemptively, like if you see someone's dealing with a, a slight injury and might miss like that week, go grab his backup or whatever and, and see what happens there. And it can turn into a long-term addition or even just like a week addition, or maybe you're screwing over your opponent while you do it. So there's a little bit of strategy involved there, but um, I, I will say it's fantasy where it is very lucky. There is a handful of strategy, I think, too. You need to be a little bit crafty to uh, to at least make the playoffs. I think once you get to the playoffs, it's, it's a lot of luck. But to, to get there, it, it takes some skill. Before I give Paul the floor, my biggest takeaway was that next year I am hoarding as many quarterbacks as I can. I'm just going to keep, like, five on my roster at all times so that inevitably when – three or four of them go down with ACL injuries. I'll just have somebody ready to go. And I won't have to worry about picking up uh, a Jake Browning or a Tommy DeVito or whoever in week 12. <laughs> Paul, what's up? Uh... I thought those were, I thought those were your guys though, Pat, your big Browning guy. Yeah. Well, that didn't <laughs> last long. That didn't last long. Paul, what are your thoughts? What's, what's your biggest takeaway from this fantasy football year? Yeah, you guys were able to touch on a lot of it. Um, I thought Nance was pretty comprehensive in his answer, and I liked a lot of the things that that he said there as well. The one thing uh, that I haven't heard you guys mention that I really wanted to touch on, I think that the tight end position is coming back. I think that the tight end position has been a little bit bare in the past couple of years, and we've seen some rookies this year kind of establish themselves, and, and I think it's going to continue into next year. We talked about Sam Laporta. Uh, he was up for the Rookie of the Year award. Dalton Kincaid's a guy that we didn't mention at, at all in this award show, but I think that he uh, really came on for Buffalo this year, and he's going to continue to be a viable pass-catching option for them next year. Travis Kelsey's getting a little bit older, so that kind of king of the tight end position, um, you know, his his days may be numbered, but I think that we're seeing a lot of young talent come in at that position. Trey McBride's another guy who was kind of overshadowed on, on a bad Arizona Cardinals team, but he was very consistent. He was a guy that you could find in the late uh, – back ends of the draft. Maybe it was even a wave wire pickup as well. There's some youth at that position that is going to step up. So I would look next year for tight ends 
later in the draft. I, I think that the, the position is going to be a little bit deeper than it has in years past. And if you wait and you don't get that elite level tight end, like a kid or a Kelsey, you're going to be just fine next year. So that was my biggest takeaway from, from this year. Who is a guy that you can't wait to draft next year? Kamish who's like outside of some of the more obvious names. How about this? Let's, let's discount any of our award winners from this episode. Okay. So not including any of our award winners. Who are you most excited to draft in 2024? You know what? Um, I, for me, I, I really think it's Jordan Love. I, I think that this guy can be the MVP of the league next year. I was so impressed with the way he finished this season. I watched that game against the Bears where they they clinched a playoff spot in, in pretty good detail on Sunday. I mean, and the throwing motion is like identical to Aaron Rodgers. He definitely picks some things up. Um just the way he kind of drops his arm slot at times and and way he kind of bounces in the pocket. Uh, he looked great. He was able to make some throws on the run. We talked about how young this uh, receiving core is multiple times throughout, throughout the year. I think we even mentioned it earlier in this episode. Everybody's only going to get better. Christian Watson dealt with a ton of injuries this year as well. He was a great pass catching option for Aaron Rodgers two years ago. And in the few games that he was able to suit up and play this year, Love was able to find him there as well. As the receiving core continues to develop and Jordan Love develops next year, I think that that is going to be a great pick at quarterback. He's going to go probably outside of you know your your top five typical guys like your Allens, your Lamar Jacksons, your Burrows when he gets back. But I think Love is going to be right in there uh, for potentially MVP of the fantasy year next year and MVP of the NFL. Nance, how about for you? Um. So I, I think I'll, I'll so I'll, I'll mention the person that I've written down, and then I'll add one more in here that's a little bit. Well, this one's a little bit off the wall too, but he was on my team this year, purely as a bench guy. Um, I really like Ty J Spears out of Tennessee. I, I know there's a bit of uncertainty now that they just fired Grable. Don't really know what's going on with that team, but I think one thing for certain is, uh, it's probably Spears' backfield next year, and. Tennessee, I think no matter the coach kind of likes to run the rock. Also, especially if you don't know who they have at uh, quarterback, they're they're going to be a little bit more reliant on that. He clearly proved himself as a pass catcher as well. Um, so I, I think that is kind of more of a fun pick, not like your first couple rounds. Uh, I'd say probably like not. Even, I'd say he's like in your four to fourth to eight round. You'll, you'll you'll probably draft a guy like that, but he could be the difference maker or just a really good depth piece, good flex player for most of next year. Um, I think, and then just kind of thinking about it right now too, a little bit off the wall, I guess it depends on what team he goes to, but I'm willing to throw it out there. Um, uh, regarding rookies, Marvin Harrison Jr. I think is going to be a all, I mean, he's already got his dad in the league. He's got the genes. I watched him play at Ohio state. The kid is phenomenal. Um, I think he's plug and play in just about every single offense. He's very polished. He's he's probably going to go in some of the upper rounds. Just based. he's going to be one of those rookies that's drafted high, and people are going to take a risk on him. Um, and I think it's going to pay off. I, I think the kid's a stud, and we'll 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 see what comes of it next year once he actually gets in the league. No love for our late season edition winners. Amir White is crazy because I think I think he could go off next year if, if he ends up taking that RB one role over in Oakland. Not well, Oakland, you said that Las we can't Vegas. take 
You said we can't take anybody who was yeah, mentioned right. on the yeah. awards list. <laughs> you're right. You're right. My my apologies. Um blame it on blame it on the illness. <laughs> um yeah, I would say for me, I mean, the first guys I think of are kind of more on the obvious side and and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, just two guys who weren't able to have fully healthy years, who you would expect, especially Chase having Burrow come back too for a whole season next year would really be a difference maker for him and would bring him back to a form um, that is more expected of him, I guess you would say. And then another guy that I'm, I'm kind of looking at um, James Connor actually is someone that missed some time this year, but when he was healthy, was a really solid performer. And I don't think he's a guy that, people are going to think of right away next year, but a strategy I really tried to put into place this year was focusing more on, on running backs and making sure that I had three, if not maybe even four guys that I, I felt pretty solid about in my lineup um, or on the fringe of my lineup, if not in it. And I loved some of, what Connor did, especially at the end of the year, when Kyler came back, it seemed that once Arizona was able to get their passing game going back up, some, some holes open up for him. And I think I saw um, some stat that said that um, Arizona actually has some of the higher yards per rush attempt stats in the NFL as well. So they were trailing a lot and a lot in games this year. It's not like they were running the ball very often late in games. Right. So I think, Next year, when you have Kyler healthy there for a full year, they're going to be picking high in the draft again next year. You can see them revamp their roster a little bit, be a little bit more talented, maybe be in that like seven to like nine wins range, perhaps if they figure some things out. I think it's more likely they're probably in like the six to eight win territory. But he would be a guy where if, if he puts a full healthy season together, that's someone um, I definitely have my eye on going into next season. He's... I mean, he finished as, um, on average, he had the fifth highest points per week among all running backs. He only finished with like 200 points exactly. So I think he finished as the RB 23. Um, he'll be sleeper going into next year for sure. Agreed. He was impressive down the stretch coming off the injury, 100%. Former Pittsburgh Steeler as well. Yeah, eerie, eerie pride. <laughs> that Arizona Cardinals team is actually um, one of the teams that that gave both of your Pittsburgh Steelers a loss earlier in the this year. Um, we hadn't really mentioned it yet, but Nons here, he's also a, a Pittsburgh Pittsburgh Steelers guy. That I am. I I know that you two don't have a great outlook for this weekend because. Um, of the TJ Watt injury news, most likely, even if the Steelers can make it past this week, he'd probably miss at least one more week after that, if not more. What, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this. What, what chance would you give the Steelers of advancing past this weekend between zero and 100? Like what's your confidence level in them advancing this week? I'd say like 20, 20 or so. Um, the one thing I think that actually benefits Pittsburgh a little bit, so we'll 
we'll see how this shakes out. But there is some snow in the forecast. And say what you want. I, I think James Cook is a really talented back. And I don't know if Buffalo really utilizes him as well as they can. Um, the Steelers can run the rock. And if it comes to that kind of game where either the wind's whipping or there's snow falling and they got to, um, I, I do actually like Pittsburgh's chances to be pretty competitive there. If it turns into a shootout and um, Josh Allen's locked in, which to be fair, he honestly hasn't. I, I know he was good in fantasy this year, but the interceptions are are a problem. And the Steelers have those guys that aren't necessarily like the best corners in the league. Uh, but some of them have a knack for they, they have a knack for getting like these random interceptions. It's kind of Tomlin football. It's how they play. They, they they end up in close games. They end up his like yard differential this year was disgusting compared to how many games we won. It's just Steelers football. So from that perspective, um, they've had the last couple years where where they faced some teams outside of the Browns, like when they've had to face the Chiefs. Uh, those were not really fair matchups for them. Patrick Mahomes was at his best. Um, we were clearly an underdog. This one, we're clearly un an underdog as well. But I feel like this Bills team might be a little bit more at risk than in past years of just like the opponents that we faced. Um, that being said, not having TJ is brutal. Um, we do have a young guy that most people probably outside of Pittsburgh aren't familiar with in uh, Nick Herbig. Um, rookie this year has done great as a fill-in role. Um, but we haven't seen him as, uh, I know Paul, you were saying he might not start, but he's definitely going to get a ton of the snaps, um, alongside Alex Heismith, who, if we didn't have TJ Watt, or if you put Alex Heismith on basically, I'd say 90% of the other teams in football, he's probably their number one edge rusher. So we got a good guy coming off the other side still. Um, we've been playing with injuries all year and we've been somehow winning games. So for that reason alone, I, I think we got a fighting shot. I'm at least going to stay semi-positive until the, the clock hit zero on Sunday. Two things before Paul answers. One, historically, the Steelers are one in 10 all time without TJ Watt. Two, mm -hmm. when you said Tomlin football, I saw Paul's eye twitch <laughs> like feverishly for about 10 seconds. <laughs> Paul, what's, uh, what's, what's your response to nods here? Um, uh, nods, nods, I think tends to be a tad bit more optimistic than I do when it comes to to Steeler football. I am, I'm always the pessimist in the room when it comes to the Steelers. Patrick, I've told you a million times. I'm like the the Cleveland Indians fan from Major League that they keep saying they're going to lose, they're going to lose up until they they win the pennant at the end of the year. So that that embodies me. And nods is a little bit more optimistic, but. I was going to reference the stat without TJ Watt uh, since he's been drafted in games that he doesn't play. The Steelers are just one in 10. So if you just look at, at the numbers perspective uh, right there, uh, that's, you know, a little bit less than 10%. And like some of those games are with Ben Roethlisberger as well. I love what Mason Rudolph has been able to do, but he's no Ben. And, uh, you know, I give him less than a 10% chance. I give him somewhere between five and 10% here. We'll see if weather plays a factor at all. Uh, I don't know. Non's alluded to it. I think Buffalo can run the football themselves as well. They're just a more talented overall overall team. And uh, you know, unfortunately, the I think the line indicates how Vegas is thinking in this game with a, a double digit spread. It's the the biggest spread of any wild card playoff game this this week. Uh, I don't have a lot of high hopes. You know, I think that this team kind of caught fire at the end of the year, but by and large, it's it's just not as good of a roster as Buffalo. So I think this will be the end of the road. I'm 
super happy for Mason Rudolph, as I've said previously on this podcast. I think he's found a way to stay in the NFL here and, and get himself a backup contract somewhere. But I think that the Cinderella run ends this this Sunday in Buffalo. Nuns, if you had to make a Super Bowl pick right now, who who's going to be representing the AFC and the NFC come the second week of February? No um, way he says the Ravens. I got another Lamar hater on the on the podcast right here. Not a shot. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I don't know. I, I just feel like they're they're I, I've watched enough Ravens football. They just seem like too big of a favorite to make it. I, I don't know why. Um too big I, of I'm a leaning, favorite to make it. Yeah, no, I, but if you watch them, they this is how they are every postseason. I, I now I think their defense is probably um I think it's under – I think people talk about it enough now, but a lot of it gets caught up in the offensive side of the ball. Their defense is phenomenal, and it's probably the best since when I was in middle school watching Ray Lewis and Terrell Suggs. I mean, that's Ravens football, and it, it's Steelers football too. It's AFC North football. Um, but I don't know. I, I could easily see a team um, – I don't think the Chiefs are, are going to m- make enough noise here. Um, I, if I had to pick someone outside of the Ravens from the AFC, I would probably go. Well, Bills. if you feel like the Ravens are are the best team in the AFC, if that's if that's who you think is going to make it out of the AFC, pick them. Well, no, I don't. So I, I don't. I don't think they will. I, I think they're the physically the best team on paper, but something about it, I haven't seen in a big. He's done it in the regular season in a big playoff game. Lamar has made mistakes that have prevented his team from advancing. So until he does that, which I'm putting that out there, for, I've been saying this for a while. All he has to do is prove me wrong. Um, but in, until then, I, I have to think that he's going to make that same mistake again. And it's mistakes that you haven't seen Burrow make when he was in the playoffs or Mahomes make as he consistently has won a couple of Super Bowls now. Um, so for that reason alone, um, I think this might be the Bills' year to sneak in. Um, they, they've been playing really hot down the stretch um like paul mentioned there are a lot of weapons i am slightly optimistic about the steelers chances um and i think another thing to to think of too about the ravens i would need to look at the bracket to see when they would play i think it might be the championship game um the browns will give them fits if they play and so will the steelers and that's not that's from the perspective that both of those teams know how to play and beat lamar jackson and they will do it on the biggest stage and they have the defense to do it as well. Um, and that doesn't mean that I think that the Browns are going to make it either. So I, I think it's going to be the bills out of the AFC. Um, I think you got to go uh, Niners out of the NFC. I, I just think they're too much of a juggernaut. And if it does happen to be the two one seeds playing each other, um, I do think the Niners get their revenge. Um, I, I think they came into that game a little bit overwhelmed. Purdy's better than he was in that game for sure. Um, he's definitely not like a better quarterback than Lamar or anything like that, but he can live up to the moment. Four picks is not what, what's going to happen in the Super Bowl. He'll know how to better uh, face that defense. Um, I, I have the Niners winning. I, I think I have the Niners winning it all this year. Um, their, their, their depth, their offense, their, their defense is really strong as well. I don't think they have a lot of injuries right now. I'd have to go back and double check. Um, but I'm, I'll go officially Niners over Bills in the Super Bowl. You heard you it here. Actu- you didn't actually think that a fellow Steeler fan was going to give the Ravens any credit, did you? 
No, I didn't. I Never. I wouldn't have pegged Nons as a <laughs> as a Steelers or as a as a Ravens front runner pick for the Super Bowl by any means by any means. But it's it's good to have differing opinions out there. I I personally would never pick the Bills as a Super Bowl favorite, not just because I'm a Patriots fan, but plain and simple, I just don't think they'll win it. Um, no, you can make the same excuse or the, not the same excuse the, the same point that I made about Lamar. Josh Allen hasn't advanced to a Super Bowl before. Same thing in the big moments, whether it's a pick or just gets out for played. The, the Chiefs game was tough that one year when they were going back and forth time. time. Yeah. yeah, but but outside of that, I mean, you had the bad performance in Buffalo against Burrow. Uh, so you I, you can very well make that same argument for him. Like both of those, I think the two top or well, physically the two top teams in the AFC this year, they're fantastic on paper, but both the quarterbacks. I think have a chip on their shoulder. They have something to prove. I know damn well Lamar wants. I think that's the biggest kind of thing that's still on his back is uh, proving to people that not only can he be just unbelievably dominant during the regular season, but he can come out and and do it when it matters most. And um, growing up a Steelers fan, I've been fortunate enough to see some playoff victories and some playoff wins and some Super Bowls. And I think, what happens in January is far more important than padding the stats in the regular seasons. And I'm sure a lot of these guys feel that way too. And the ability to raise that Lombardi um, can get them, can get some people to stop talking about them in a, in a negative light. So I think they both have a lot to prove this year. All right. You heard it here first. Jack Nonamacher's Super Bowl picks. The bills uh, will lose to the San Francisco 49ers. I don't necessarily hate that. I don't hate that. Uh, recapping our award winners really quick. The MVP, Christian McCaffrey. Our draft day steal award winner, Raheem Mostert, the Miami Dolphins. Our rookie of the year, Puka Nakua of the Los Angeles Rams. Our waiver edition of the year, Kyron Williams, also of the Los Angeles Rams. Kyron Williams, also our most improved fantasy player of the year. Uh, our biggest bust of the year went to Austin Eckler of the Los Angeles Chargers. Our IR All-Star went to Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings. The handcuff hero of 2023 was Jerome Ford of the Cleveland Browns. Our best single-game performance went to Amari Cooper of the Cleveland Browns in Week 16. Our best late-season addition was Zamir White of the Las Vegas Raiders. This wraps it up for our 2023 Fantasy Football Awards show. Um, Nons, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. I'm glad we were able to make this happen. Um, perhaps it won't be won't be the last time we see you on the program either. I hope not. It was an honor. Great. Thank, thanks for having me. This was fun. Absolutely, man. Pleasure to have you. Paul, any closing thoughts for, for the listeners or for nons before uh, we say goodnight? Yeah, I'd like to reiterate uh, the thanks that you just gave nons. Nons, thank you for coming on the show. I think, it, uh, I think you did a great job, and uh, we're happy to have you. Uh, great analysis here. Congratulations. I don't know if I formally congratulated you as the commissioner of our fantasy league, but congratulations not only just winning this year, but establishing yourself as the, the top manager in the league now that you are the only one to have two titles under your belt. Um, had a blast. I hope everybody enjoys the episode. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. Follow us on Twitter at fifth and long instagram and youtube at fifth and long pod um 
we've got consistent content now week to week. You're going to be seeing a lot more stuff coming from us on those channels as well. Later this week, you're going to have Paul and I's wild card round preview for the NFL playoffs. So stay tuned for that. That episode will probably be releasing uh, Thursday or Friday. Just keep keep a lookout for that next coming episode. In the meantime, for Nons, the Kamish, and yours truly, Patrick DeMar, enjoy the show, enjoy the rest of your night, and until next time, right here on the 5th and Long Podcast. God bless. <laughs> <laughs>